Welcome to Understandable Solutions, the podcast where we discuss business and current events, those important issues that impact our world. Our goal is that you walk away with at least one nugget of useful and thought-provoking information to make your day. Here's your host, Jeff Newkirk. Okay, on today's Understandable Solutions podcast, I have an awesome, awesome guest, Allison Boyd. Now, what's so special about Allison is she is what I would call a rock star entrepreneur. How long have you been in business, Allison? 14 years in my business and then 14 years. 16 years experience. Okay, but you are just knocking it out of the park. I mean, your business is just taking off, which, is, which is great. So let me read a little bit of background on, on Allison. Allison is the principal writer for Boyd Grants and, like you said, has 16 years of experience in grant writing and project management. Now, project management and grant writing, can you explain that a little bit? So it feels a little bit different than what you would normally think of as project management, but it's really just taking the grant development progress and making sure all of the players are on track and you've got a set deadline and so my job beyond writing is making sure everyone gets me their data making sure. So I, I truly am a project manager. I might not have a PMP, but that's what I do. And, and a PMP is a. The project management certification. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, but obviously very skilled at what you do. And I don't see it in here, but you have been ranked in the, what percentage of grant writers? Top 10. One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so another thing about Allison is you're incredibly humble, but you are in the top 1% of all grant writers. Right? So you tell me. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, that that is so awesome. So Allison is also an active member of the Grant Professionals Association and is one of 29 grant professionals certified in Texas. So there's only 29? Yeah, there's 29, and there's about 500 across the nation. Okay. So it's a certification test, and it's pretty it's pretty rigorous. Yeah, so we're in the Houston area here, and how many are in Houston, do you know, out of the 29? Well, I didn't do those metrics. That's okay. <laughs> so I'm going to guess that they're out of the 29, none are in the top 1%. I don't know. Okay, well, you know, these are... Questions that are, are of interest to me, but because you're you're so good at what you do, and that one of the things that I want people to get from this discussion today is that when you have a passion for something and you're good at it, you can really have a successful business, and that's what you've done. I mean, you have a passion for what you do, you're really good at it, and your business is doing quite well, and you have a lot to be proud of with that. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But so your your development experience includes co-chairing a fundraising campaign, proposal development, and project implementation. Over the past 16 years, Boyd Grants have procured over 98 million, 98 million in federal, state, local, and foundation funds. Now, what does that mean? with regard to people that have been impacted by your work? So I can tell you our impact number for the last fiscal year. So in 2021, we impacted 5.5 million people. 
So the work that you did last year impacted five and a half million people. Yeah. It's kind of fun. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. All by words written on a page. Unbelievable. And what was the dollar amount associated with that? $38 million. Incredible. Incredible. See, I don't think people really, really get how important grant writing can be, what it, how important it is, right? You know, we, we hear about grant writing all the time, but the impact that you have, that you have, Boyd Grants has uh, on everywhere that you've been, I mean, you're in multiple states, right? Yeah. Five um, and a half million people. Yeah. That's cool. It is. Really cool. You have previously served as the president of Grant Professional of the Grant Professional Certification Institute Board. I would think so, in the top one percent. And you were awarded the Grant Professionals Association President's Award in 2018. Wow, that sounds pretty prestigious. What what was that award? So the President's Award is um, the Board of Directors of the Grant Professionals Association chooses one person a year that has done good work for the grant professionals, the grant professional altogether. And I was chosen and it was shocking and unexpected and so, so nice. So out of, did you say there are 500? No, in that association, in the grant professionals associate association, there's about, and if someone's listening, they're going to tell me I'm wrong, but it's probably, I think it's like well, 1500 to 3000 people. I hope somebody is listening. <laughs> That's my hope, uh, having this podcast. I meant Grant Ryder, who's a part of the association. So 1,500, yeah. and you were number one in 2018. Yeah. I, I got to believe that you'd be pretty close up to number one last year, impacting five and a half million people. Yeah, but we like to spread the wealth of acknowledgments across our association. There's that humility coming, coming across, which is awesome. So tell us, how did you get started in your business? And, you know, what what really prompted you to get into grant writing in the first place and then to start your own business? So grant writers typically follow a distinct path of you are, you're known in your office to write well and someone wants to apply for a grant. And so then they say, hey, you do this well, so apply for this grant. Well, that's not how I started. I started as, um, <laughs> this makes me laugh. I started in college and when I was going to school, I wanted to be a doctor and I did not do well in my science classes. I find that very hard to believe, Allison. I, I don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we are all thankful today that I am not a doctor. Okay. Um, so my parents were amazing and they had the hard conversation and y'all, we tried like every, every way to get me into the medical field that we thought would be possible, like even an EMT. And that just was not going to work either. And they both just said, you're good at writing. So you need to become an English major. And so because of them, I switched my degree and became an English major. Then. So your parents had that influence on you. Yeah. They're, they're pretty great. Awesome. So then once I did that, um, my, I worked at a camp over the summers and my director at that time said, well, 
you are an English major, write this. And so I wrote the grant to get, it was a small grant, to get funded for the next summer. And when we got awarded, she called me while I was at school and was like, okay, now that we got awarded, can you implement it? And then next year, rewrite it. And I was like, okay, of course so I can. Did you, <laughs> so did you, at that time, did you even know anything about grant writing? I had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Fake it till you make it? Is that kind of the thing? Or? Basically. And so I wow, did that. Well, you obviously did a good job. Yeah. And there were tiny grants. It wasn't like large impact numbers or anything, but it impacted kids. And that that kind of met all of my needs. And I realized that my need to serve people would do better by doing something that I'm good at. Right. So putting words on paper seems to be what I'm good at. And so someone recognized that in me in my college career. So then, so you're one for one, yeah, right out of the gate. Yeah, it was kind of cool. I mean, yeah, I would think so. And then um, my dean of English at the time was like, "You don't want to be a teacher. You don't want to be a journalist. What do you want to do?" And I said, "So there's this thing called grant writing." And he was like, "I have no idea what that is." But we went through different grant writing books the rest of my time there, and it wasn't very formalized. But he just invested in me there. And once I graduated with my degree, I went on and continued to work um, for the Y at the time and became an aquatics director. And then I told my... Wait, hold the phone. So you were already a successful grant writer because you were batting 100% or, you know, 1,000. That was your batting average, one for one. <laughs> but you you decided at the time that that wasn't what you were going to necessarily do full time and you went into... Well, uh, no. Fitness or no? No. So apparently graduating and wanting to do a job that included grant writing is not necessarily a marketable skill when you're so young okay. and had no experience like the people before people me. People look at somebody who's young and they say, well, you know, they're not going to be successful because they don't have any experience. Why? So we're right. not going to spend our money. It's a big this- investment. Yeah. Right. And so I fell back on the fact that I was a lifeguard over the summers in college and became an aquatics director at the Y. And then I told my executive director, well, look, I really want to write grants. And he was like, great, you can write us some grants, but you're still an aquatics director. And so so that kind of started my on-the-side journey of doing stuff. And um, so I was an aquatics director all while I was at the Y, and I wrote their grants on the side and created their grant processes and to this day made um, – my executive director at the time to this day is like, I never look at a deadline the same way again, because you always (laughs) give me fake deadlines. Cause I would tell him like, this is due two weeks before it's due. And he didn't know that it was due like two weeks later. Allison, So so you were, you were building in some cushion there. Just, just in case somebody wasn't on time. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually that's pretty smart because people, if, if it's late, right. You know, people, They're not always punctual. If you miss that deadline, then you're out of luck, right? Yep. So You are. When you were uh, at the Y, how many grants did you write? Do you remember? I don't remember. And they weren't. They were like small foundation grants. We wrote, um, I'll never forget, we wrote to get a bathroom built out for the sports fields. And we got that awarded. And it wasn't a big grant by any means. But it was, it's still pretty cool to walk out into that field and be like, I got that bathroom funded, you know, so it's fun to walk around town and to go to places and you're like, I got that funded. 
I helped get that funded. And so. That is so fantastic. And so at the Y, did you have any that didn't get funded? Of course. I mean, there's. But not many. I mean, you've got a really good batting average. Well, it's usually a 33% success rate. For, Except for you. Well, <laughs> typically it's every 10 that you put in, you get three back. Um, okay. It takes a lot to get the awards that you do get. And and so then you learn how to be smarter about who you apply to, right? So I, I write and I develop the grant applications, but if it's going to a foundation, it's on the organizations that I write for to actually do the due diligence and building relationships with the funders. They don't really, funders don't care about me. They care about the executive director and what they're doing. And right. so if we you're, create you're, a culture. You're just the means to the end. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I put into words what they talk to the funder for. And the more that you build the relationship with the funder, the more likely you are to get funded. So if you do cold calls, you know, you don't, your batting averages, since we're using that, is always going to be that lower percentage. But if you're doing the prep work, then what I write will have a higher chance of getting funded. Yeah, which, which makes perfect sense. So in your experience, what would you say has been your greatest challenge? Um, the theory that anyone can write a grant. And, I mean, it's true. Anyone can write a grant, but not, not everyone can get funded. Right. Not everyone can write a grant well. Right, because there's more to it than just writing. There's is a, building the relationship, what you just said. Yeah, and then as the organization that I'm writing for fiscally stable, are they able to manage the awards once they've gotten it? And, you know, what is their history in the community? And every there's a lot more going against it than than just my words on a piece of paper. Yeah, which, which the way you craft the grant, the way you write it, obviously you do an incredible job because you do have a very high success rate. And I was kind of joking about the thousand you know, batting average, but, <laughs> but seriously, what is your success rate for getting funded? It, so, it is more than a third, isn't it? Well, it, it's really kind of one of those things that in our field, we really don't do a success rate because it is so dependent upon who your clients are and who. A lot of con uncontrollable. Yeah. I right? can't control what I can't control. And so then we just, it, it's just hard to put a number on it. So I can mm -hmm. tell you that for the most part, like, federally wise for Department of Education grants, the ones that I know and I've been writing forever, mm -hmm. I've got like a 80% to 90% success rate, which is very high. But I cannot control if the um, fund gets cut. I can't control if a new um, university or college or anyone else is applying and they they just have a better region to get awarded. Yeah. I can't I can't help if the region that I'm applying in has expended all of their dollars. So it's really hard to put a rate on it. But I will say that um, the ones I do and I have done for all 16 years of my career, those are very high success rates because it's a, it's almost a formula. You know exactly what words to say and what how to lay out the application, and you do it, and you do it well. Well, you've only missed – what, 10 to 20% of the time not yeah. getting funded. I mean, that's pretty incredible. And those hurt just as bad as... I'm sure. I mean, every time I'm like, oh, because then it's the people don't get what 
services we were trying to provide for them. And right. so, but just, it doesn't mean that the game's over, right? No. Just because it hasn't been funded doesn't mean you can't go back and try again. Yeah. So sometimes you write, and this is also why you don't really do a success rate because sometimes you write for reviewer comments. So is our, is our project really fundable? Is, is it better to say it this way? How did you feel like it could have been addressed differently? You know, sometimes you just want to know where do you stand against the world and how do you get it to be stronger? Which is, seems to me like a pretty good formula for success in grant writing. Yeah, it is. And like, and it's knowing your, knowing your funder. Like I know that if I were to write a national science foundation grant, it takes at least five tries to get funded once. Wow. And it's not that you're not doing and hitting all the marks. It's that they have a certain system that they mm. follow and you kind of got to put your chops in. You got to do the work. Dang. That, that, that seems like a really uh, tough, tough business to be in. I mean, you, you got to get used to rejection. Yeah, it's, it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so there are a lot of people listening that are uh, entrepreneurs or want to start their own business. And here you are, you've started your own business. And not only has it um, continued on, but it's thriving. I mean, you've really done well. And you've, you've heard all the statistics, you know, they're 40% of all or more, all businesses that start within the first year, they close. Uh, small businesses that have been open for or in business for three years, 80% of those are going to close. So what, what do you think has been your formula for success? What have you done so well that you've not only stayed in business, but you're like, you're, you're booming. Well, I started small and I didn't try to be someone I wasn't when I first started, you know? So of course, when I started, I, um, I didn't go to school to be a business owner, you know, and I, mm -hmm. I did things right. Don't get me wrong, but I, I didn't pretend to know stuff that I didn't know. And so I didn't want to take on clients that I wasn't sure that I would be successful for. So of course, for me, most of my business comes from word of mouth. It hardly comes from any of me reaching out or anything else. So do you have to do any marketing at all? No. Wow. I mean, that, that is awesome because so many businesses, big business, for example, you know, they, they spend upwards of six to 10% of their gross revenues just on marketing. And if you think about it, that, that adds up. That's a lot. And you haven't had to spend much at all. Yeah. But for me, marketing is my reputation and it's, you know, how, cause colleges talk to each other. Nonprofits talk to each other. You it's know. a small world out there of nonprofits. It, it right? is. Yeah. And other grant writers talk to each other. And like I know which grant writers not to use and and who not to refer to someone. And mm -hmm. I have and I think one of my biggest benefits of starting was I knew when I wasn't ready to do a grant, so I referred it out to a friend. You know, and I was able to say that I'll I'll get that back in in return in a different way, you know. So there's nothing wrong with saying, I'm not ready for you yet, but here is someone else. And because that relationship worked out, they usually come back a few years later and they're like, hey, do you remember me? You referred me out to this, but we want to do this project. And we heard that you do these type of grants better. And so that kind of helped. So I would call that having incredible integrity. You know, you, you say you're going to, whatever you say you're going to do, you're going to do. 
And if you say, well, you know, this might be beyond my skill set right now, you te- you're telling the world or that particular client that, yes, I have a skill set. Yes, I can help you, but I can't help you here. But I know somebody who can. That is having integrity. And that is something that we don't see enough of in business, right? Mm-hmm. Man. So, so with you, having that integrity has really served you well. Is that uh, one of the secrets to your success? Just having so much integrity and, and taking on business that you know you can get accomplished, to get, you can get done? I think so. I think that, you know, when we first met, you kind of talked to me a lot about core values and things that um, are super important to you and everything. And while I've known what my core values were, internally right having you teach me to write them down was a whole nother thing and when we when we really talked about integrity and ethics and faith and everything else that goes along with it and I look back over the past 14 years of being a business owner those are the top three things that really kept me grounded and kept me able to be successful and knowing where I came from right yeah. well it's those uh, non-negotiables right yeah those core values those those what I call line in the sand that you will not cross. And I know you're a person of faith. Mm -hmm. That's very important to you. And I think in today's world, we are challenged a lot every day when it comes to our faith. So what have you done to make sure that you never compromise your faith? I definitely have, there's definitely clients that, or potential clients that I know that, I do not support their mission. And if I can't get behind a mission, I can't I can't write from the heart and I can't see how what you're doing is going to be successful and drive to what my personal faith is and what I believe to be the right way to live. And I, I feel like I would do them a disservice, right? If I were to sign on with that client and be like, yes, I can do all the things and do everything well. I'm not doubting that I could do that, but because... I wouldn't be so invested and bought into it. It would, it would make them less successful. So for me, it's knowing your heart's not in it. Yeah. It's knowing what, what is important to me and what I value. Yeah. And do you think you've lost business because of that? I don't think so. I think I've gained respect because of that. And I think there's certainly a potential for that to happen. Um, I, I can say from my own experience, I, I have lost business because of my core values. I mean, I've had people, I can think of one in particular that decided not to do business with me because faith is one of my core values. And this, this person said, you know, I, I just can't sign on with that because I don't, you know, I don't believe that. And so, I, I mean, I wasn't going to compromise. See, and I don't look at that as like losing business though. I look at it as knowing, knowing who I am and saying that it's just not happening, you know? And so I know that those potential clients are not even on my list. So if they, if they come to me and ask me to write grants, I really have no problem with saying, nope, sorry. And here's gently what my reasoning is, but you know what? Here's an amazing firm who can do great things for you, but I'm not that person. So you, you don't, you don't see that as a potential revenue that is has been missed. No, because it's not an option. I love that. I, I love that. That is a great way to look at it. <laughs> See, I've always thought of it, you know, well, this 
this particular person didn't want to work with me because, you know, my core values. So I missed out on that opportunity. But yeah, it was never an opportunity to begin with. No, and other people totally can serve right. them better. I love the way you think about that. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so now you've been in business for 14 years. Yeah. Been writing grants for 16. Your business is just really, really going well right now. Where do you see the next couple of years? Well, let's just be honest and say I didn't see the last two years in how that they played out, in which they played out really well. And uh, well, you're super smart at what you do. You're really good at what you do. You're smart at business and you've, you put together a formula for success and it started with the passion. You have a passion for what you do. You do things the right way. You're meticulous. You plan things out. It's not, your success did not happen by happenstance. No, I mean, it took me two years to decide to even talk to you and then also to decide to actually, um, pull the trigger on having subcontractors to support my business, to continue to let it grow. And so for 16 years, it was a one man band and, or a one woman band. And mm -hmm. I did it all. I did the, I did the content, the client contacts. I did the writing. I did all of those things. And it's in the past year and a half, I'd say it's, it's gotten to where I can stay stagnant and do what I've done and do it well. And there's nothing wrong with that. Or I can see where God's going to take it. And I can be brave and I can step out and I can try to do subcontractors, which A, is working, which is making me very happy. Um, and then I can expand on the services that I want to try. And so that that's where we're at. And I think the next five years is going to be a lot of that. Do I move from subcontractors to full-time? Do I move? You know, it's a lot of planning that in my head, I always thought that would be really cool if, but <laughs> And now we're not at the, that would be really cool if we're at the, that would be really cool when, when and, yes. and where, how do I get to that when, you know? Yeah. Which is pretty exciting. Yeah. So when you brought on subcontractors, that was sort of a, a somewhat of a stressful situation, right? I mean, uh, yes. because, <laughs> because like you said, you were going from, you know, one person in, in business for themselves now you're taking on additional responsibilities because you, now you're responsible for people. Right. And so I'm such a, I want to make sure you're doing well. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if I've, I'm bringing these subcontractors on and of course they've got to be top notch. Right. And I, I have no problem with training people to do things well, but in the way that I've structured my business, I can't, I can't let you fail. Right. So I need you to do things well, right out the gate. Right. So you've got to have some kind of experience, but now I feel like even though they're subcontractors and I just say, Hey, do you have time for a job? And they say yes. Or they say no, I still feel like, and now I'm responsible for helping people keep their lights on. And it's a different yeah. kind of pressure. And I think because I feel like I want to save the world by writing words, you know, <laughs> how do I, how do I balance that? And how do I make sure that I'm keeping their lights on, but it's really not on me because they're subcontractors, you know, to keep their lights on, but I sure do contribute to their business yeah. and their, their bills. And if I don't have the right clients, then I'm impacting more than just my little world. Yeah. And it, and it's their credibility too, right? I mean, right. you know, they have to do a good job. They have to do exactly what you need. And if they don't, then it's on them and then their future is sort of, you know, at risk. 
Yeah. And telling people that they're not doing a good job is not the easiest thing ever. Or not even that they're not doing a good job, but they're not doing it to the standard in which I require. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that for a second. How do you go about telling somebody, you know, Hey, this work, maybe not exactly. You, You didn't, you missed the mark here. Because that's a great learning opportunity for the subcontractor, right? It can be an It's uplift- a learning opportunity for me. It, absolutely. Well, because if we acknowledge the fact that we all have to learn every single day, that's going to make us better. If we're close to learning, game's over. Right. So for the, for the subcontractor that, that maybe missed the mark, it's a great opportunity for you to mentor. So... Right, wrong, or indifferent, I set up the way that I'm doing subcontractors as um, on Mondays, they get a Monday morning email and it tells them what they have going on this month and with the indicator of tell me if you've got time. And so at the end of that email, it says- So you're always in communication with them. Yeah. So at the end of the email, it says, you know, would you like a call with Allison this week to touch base? And I have some that are like, yes, every week, let's talk. And I'm, and you know- Oddly enough, they're they're really good and we have a dialogue and it's constant. And I find that my quieter ones, I have to be like, hey, this is your project. Where you at? How you doing? And, and that's okay. But you being, just got to know. I just, I, a, I need to know. And then B, I need to know before like four days before the deadline if you're ready. And their deadlines are you know, set like a week prior to when it's really due. And <laughs> so you've gone to one week instead of two. Yes. Because reality hits. <laughs> yeah. Reality hits that, uh, that two weeks is really hard. So, um, to get quality content out, but, um, yeah, so I've really had to have that open communication and it's not, it doesn't turn into a, Hey, you did this wrong at the end of the project. It turns into, Hey, when I'm reviewing your drafts, this is, this is what I see. And this yeah. is, this is my style and I've given everyone a style sheet. This is how Boyd Grants has been writing their proposals for this many years. And so now I'm asking you to and take on way, that style. Successfully. Yeah. And, and of course that style sheet changes. If my clients have their own style that they require things to be written in, then that contractor gets that style sheet and then they kind of know what's expected. Awesome. So, out of all of the grants that you've had awarded, what is like uh, the one or two that really rise to the top is, is that you're the most proud of? So one of them is, um, it was a first time write for me and I'd never done out of this um, Department of Transportation and it's called a build grant. So okay. building infrastructure basically for mm-hmm. communities. And um, I was brought on as a subcontractor for another firm to do this work. And it was like, we had a week to two weeks to really turn it around. And um, I just happened to start in the middle of the process. Right. And it wasn't as far along as we thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And it was a $20 million award. Wow. And they were banking on getting that to change some driving infrastructure and highway infrastructure and stuff like that. Was that here in Texas? No, it was in a different state. So, okay. Um, but yeah, we had like between getting myself caught up right on the end of a project, I really only had about five days max to really write mm-hmm. the proposal and get it into the shape that it needed to be in. And then we got the full award <laughs> and I'm more proud of that because 
it was a program I didn't know anything about. And y'all, I know nothing about construction of highways. <laughs> I know nothing about benefit cost analysis, you know, and so we had to work with universities and things like that to get those pieces in place. That's where the project management comes in. And then I had to interpretate this, interpret this um, benefit cost analysis. And I was like, these numbers, I hope they're right because I don't know what it's <laughs> saying, you know, because it's like um, tied to this construction amount. And I'm like, okay, I need the bottom line to say this number. Are we there? Yes, we are. And, and it got funded. And so that was exciting. That was That's probably one awesome. of my most. That's awesome. So do you ever, I mean, you obviously know where this project was. Mm -hmm. And is that, so the road infrastructure, that project is done? No, it, they it? just started working on it. And so my oh, request okay. was, I want the picture of the billboard <laughs> sign, you know, the, the ones that, the temporary signs that come up that say, this project was funded by Department of Transportation Build Project, blah, 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 for this amount of money. I want that picture. Just yeah. because I, I thought, how cool is that? Very cool. Very cool. So what is the one grant that's been awarded that is like geographically the farthest away from here? I mean, in, in Houston, you know, so your, uh, it, you, your grants have impacted five and a half million people, mm -hmm. right? But all over the country, maybe beyond the borders. I don't, I don't know. No, no. I don't do international. Okay. All right. Let's not spread that rumor. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the farthest? I th well, you know, I'm not really good with distances. I California is, I've got, um, I do some sub work for, see, I have my own business and I have my own subcontractors, but I'm also a subcontractor myself. I did some sub okay. work for a university uh -huh. and they got a, um, a HRSA award, which is Health and Human Services Resource Administration, you know, cool. so, and it was for building up a behavioral health analysis team and helping those um, in the medical field who are training to be in the medical field to learn behavioral health. So awesome. it was really cool. Yeah. You, you've done so much cool work that the outcome is impacted. Like we've talked about five and a half, five and a half million people. Yeah. But my favorites is when I get to help feed little kids. Oh, so tell me about one of those. So, um, I feel like kids don't get to choose where the world that they live in and yeah. their circumstances around them. And so anything, yes, the big, the big dollars bring in the big books and that's mm -hmm. wonderful, but it helps me to be able to do the fun projects that I love. Mm -hmm. So being able to help the, the kids who don't have a choice in their lifestyle and the things that they're, they're raised in yeah. just kind of feeds my soul. And it, 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 it meets that it checks that box for me. So being able wow. to write those grants to say, okay, we were able to help these kids eat for a month or whatever, you know, that's that's great. Or that to be is. able to say, you know, we wrote grants for um, first generation in college students to actually go to college, and they're mm -hmm. already they're already going against the world, right? They're that are saying, yeah, no, you don't have to go to college, and they're saying, no, I want to. And we we helped write those grants to get them in the door and to change their future, which would eventually change their family's future. Wow. So. The impact that you've had, the five and a half million people, yeah, that's a big number. That's a lot of people. But it goes way beyond that. It's not just the number. No, for me, it's the little faces. I might not ever meet a soul that I write grant funds for and they get to be benefit from it. But it's the little faces that I imagine, you know, like yeah. that are getting to eat or getting to play on that playground or getting to 
drive across a bridge for the first time, you know. Man, so at the end of the day, you, thinking about that, it just makes every challenge that you've had worthwhile. Yeah. That That is cool. That's cool. So what one or two suggestions would you have for somebody who wants to start their own business? It, maybe not in grant writing, but it might be something else that they're passionate about. But you, you've had some great success. So what would be the one or two suggestions that you would give somebody else starting out? So actually this past week I had a conversation with a friend of mine who does some subcontracting work and she was wondering, well, should I take the plunge and actually go from just being a subcontractor and being and doing this full in? And I think the best piece of advice that I could give her and I would give anyone else is that you need to decide what's important, right? So are you doing are you doing something on the side because you just want extra income? Or are you brave enough to say, I don't, I don't want the nine to five job anymore and I want to do this on my own? And whichever side you stick on is fine, but you better go after it like full force. So yeah. if you're going to jump into the consulting world or opening whatever type of business you want to open, you can't halfway do it. You either do it all or you don't do it at all. That's right. Yeah. I like that. You either say that again. You either do it all or you or don't do it at all. Or you do, do, don't do it at all. I love that. That's good. So for those who are starting a business, they have to be passionate, have great interest in what it, whatever it is. They want to open a sandwich shop. They better love sandwiches. Yeah. God bless those people because I, I could never see myself opening a traditional business in that because I am not passionate about that. Like I love people, but we, we have well established that I love people while I'm writing words on paper, you know, <laughs> and, and I think that's okay. Know what your strengths are. Yeah. Like we had to do that strengths analysis test or whatever, whatever you call that thing. Um, <laughs> and while yes. I, like I knew what, I, what, I kind of knew where I was going to land. Mm -hmm. And and then when I landed there, I was like, well, this is why I'm doing well at what I do because exactly. I like people, but I don't necessarily like to be in front of people. And I don't necessarily like to be that person that traditional small business owners have to be and, and good on them. But if they're going to do that, then they really need to do it well and to know what, what they're not good at mm -hmm. and put, bring people in that do it better. Yeah. Good, good advice. Good advice. And, and by the way, you're very good in front of people. <laughs> you, you, are, you are. So how can people learn more about Boyd Grants? How can they learn more and get in touch with you? So you can check me out by going to my webpage, um, boydgrants.com. That's pretty much where we keep all of our stuff. I mean, you can go to LinkedIn and all that stuff, but pretty Boyd, much every. Boydgrants.com. Mm -hmm. So okay. B-O-Y-D-G-R-A-N-T-S. I mean, that's. Pretty as basic as it can be. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But you have such a successful business, and I know the best is yet to come. Allison, it is such a pleasure to have you here. It's been great to talk with you. And I just am so excited for your future uh, because you have such, such passion about what you do. Your impact that you have on people is so positive so awesome that coming across people like you you just want them to be super super successful and i know you will be i well, know you. you will be so thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been great hopefully maybe you'll even come back sometime we didn't scare you away did we no we're good if you want me to come back 
We can talk again. <laughs> okay, well, that's not a promise, but I'll take that. I'll take that. So thank you so much. And for you listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Understandable Solutions podcast. I know you got at least a couple good nuggets out of today's conversation with Allison Boyd. And I'd like to know what those are. You can email me at jeff at understandablesolutions.com and just let me know. I would love, love, love to hear from you. So again, thanks for tuning in. I hope today was a great day. I hope tomorrow's even better. Peace, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Understandable Solutions. We hope we met our goal and remember that was for you to walk away with at least one nugget of useful and thought-provoking information to make your day. And tell us what that is. We want to know. Be sure to review us favorably on your favorite podcast platform. 